Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of Taboo Talk, the podcast brought to you by Boots that ask the taboo health and wellness questions so you don't have to. Today, I am delighted to welcome Alana and Lisa McFarlane, aka the Mac Twins, back to the pod for a special bonus Q&A episode on proactive gut health. Alana and Lisa started investigating gut health after discovering that despite sharing 100% of the same DNA as identical twins, they only shared 30 to 40% of the same microbiota in their guts. They wanted to know why and how that was possible and what it meant for both their mental and physical health. Their research led to the founding of The Gut Stuff, a portal of information, videos, recipes, tips and professional partnerships all related to ensuring optimal gut health. They've also released a book on the subject and are presenting a brand new TV series on Channel 4 called Know Your Shit. Am I allowed to say that? Now, before we start, for any listeners worried about their gut health, please do seek advice from your GP. If you're unable to access an NHS doctor, you can find the Livy GP service on the Boots Health Hub, where eligibility criteria and charges may apply. You can also check out Boots' range of over 2,000 wellness products, including the Boots Good Gut range and Good Vibrations by The Gut Stuff. We'll be including a lot of listener questions in this episode, so let's get started. Welcome girls. Now I know I have spoken to you before but I always find this so interesting because I don't know enough about it and I think a lot of the listeners feel like that. So we're going to start from scratch. What is the gut? So basically I think when we first started on this journey as well, like what, seven years ago now, we thought it was just our stomachs. Actually I think, and I quote unquote we said, what do you mean our beer bellies? (laughs) Um, But it's actually everything from mouth to bum. So it's a huge piece of... Really? Yeah. So metres and metres long of kit so yeah um, yeah, it's so much bigger than you think it is and there's so many other organs involved in it as well so I think when people think my gut they often point to their stomach but actually a stomach is just a part to play in that it's a huge massive bit of kit so everything from mouth to bum oh I also think like what fascinates me when we found out like your liver basically produces bile to help you break down fats and then your gallbladder then stores it for when it's ready like all the organs work together in such a clever way um, and when we found that out, we were like, oh, yeah, you can see how um, yeah. it affects so many different parts of your body because there's so many different organs involved. And also... Oh, my God, bile. I know. I know. Just the- so, it, so it actually has a use. I just thought it was the thing, you know, and you've got a vomiting bug and it's like the last bit. You're like, oh. Yeah, I was going to say it just reeks of a hangover. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as well, I think as well, it's your main, the main gateway from the outside in, isn't it? You know, everything yeah. we put into our mouths goes all the way through that massive, massive long tube. And recently, actually... We measured it all out with ropes because it's meters and meters and meters long, and it is so long. Plus, you've got all the absorb. Like it's just mind blowing how big it is. Yeah, um, and also how important it is. But I'm sure we'll get onto that. <laughs> we will. Well, there's a, okay. What are gut microbes or microbiota? Yeah, it's, it's you know. But know we, again, when we it sounds a lot more confusing than it is. Um, yeah, and it's basically your microbiome is a kind of ecosystem that lives in, around and on us. It includes fungi, viruses, bacteria, yeast, yeast, and we've got trillions of them living in and around us. We've had them 
you know, from the start of time, we couldn't live without them. But the reason that they're coming more into public consciousness is because we can start to study them now. So they don't survive well outside of the gut. So it was difficult before to study them. And the reason we associate them with gut health, because there's a skin microbiome, there's an oral microbiome. The reason, reason we associate these microbes a lot with gut health is because most of them are housed within our large intestine. It's kind of warm, moist and cosy in there. It's a good, <laughs> moist, yeah. it's a good environment for them. Um and they're a bit like a swappable jungle. They're also very sensitive, but they do yeah. a lot for us. So they're super clever. They they kind of produce vitamins. They manage our cholesterol. They speak to our brain. They control our hormonal imbalance. Um, they you know control the calories that we absorb and store. They're super important. But up until right. you know fairly recently, they just hadn't been studied a lot. So now we're starting to realise that if you can look after them, it could be a key to unlocking um, better health, health outcomes, basically. And that sounds quite massive. And when we first found out, we were like, oh, my God, what, mate? Particularly, you know, in the last <laughs> couple of years, bacteria and viruses in you know, everyone's friend. Um, but yeah. I think, when we, you know, we kind of lost them a lot, particularly in Western culture, um, because we're living sedentary lifestyles, Antibiotics, over sanitization. So you know, when an antibiotic can really affect your your microbiomes, can it? Yeah, it's basically like a nuclear bomb. So it gets rid of the bad bacteria, which is great, but it also gets rid of the good bacteria. Um, yeah. So that's you know that's that's playing a big part in in you know Western society now in the overuse of antibiotics. Obviously, caveat that by saying antibiotics save lives, we need them. Yeah. But it's that overuse of antibiotics that's starting to really have a big effect on our microbiome. Well, even with- doctors say now, they're like, listen, don't take it. If you do not need it, don't take it. Like they're very, they're, they're not as quick to be handing out antibiotics. But if we're talking about gut health, what 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 do you mean by that? So yeah, and it's it's difficult and it's complex and it's a lot. And I think it's, it's also complicated by, it used to be called digestive health. And that's what we heard about a lot before, previously, especially like in the States. They had massive digestive health aisles. But when we talk about gut health, it's exactly those two points we touched on earlier. So it's the physical, your physical gut and the microbial. And I guess that's where the complications, I think, arise. When people hear gut health, they immediately think of digestive issues, IBS, IBD, which are on the rise a quarter of, uh, the UK population are suffering with a digestive issue. What's IBD? No, sorry, I know IBS. I it's don't know irritable IBD. bowel disease. So clinically, I guess a bit more serious than um, IBS. So IBS syndrome. is a um, syndrome, so it's a collection of symptoms. Um, and yeah, I think, and as well, because these is exactly like to your point, because people don't know what any of these are, one in four of us have them. I think heart health, for example, is a really simple thing to say, you know, either your heart's working well or it's not. Whereas with gut health, it's so confusing because we're talking about the health of two things, as Anna said, the physical world and these microbes. And there's so much other things involved that can influence it. So I think that's where the confusion comes from. And also it's so personalised. Like if we we have the same DNA, exactly the same DNA, 100%, but completely different microbes. And a certain bacteria in my body would work and behave very differently than it would in Lisa's body. So... Um, that coupled with the science, it's not new in terms of you've been studying the microbiome for a long time, but it's new, like the, the wave and the, the breadth of, of studies that are coming out is just exponential since we even we started the journey. Yeah. So it is really exciting, but it's still very, very complex. Even the word microbiome. I think I know, it's a big yeah, like, barrier. So on a previous episode with Steph McGovern and she has IBS, but like she said that for years that she just thought that's my stomach. That's just the way I am. Like she had this bloating, these cramps and she kind of just lived with it. So do you reckon a lot of the, the population are just living with something like that and not even realising it's to do with their good health? 
Absolutely. A percent. And I think a lot of it is to do with that taboo as well, then the poo taboo yeah. of people just not wanting to talk about, you know, their poo. And a lot of people, like, even when we've, through our gut stuff journey, it, like, just seen people so debilitated, like, to the point of they won't go out for dinners with their friends, they have to know where toilets are over, over the journey. Like, day-to-day life is debilitated. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's a huge, huge problem and something that that needs a big light shed on it to say that you're not alone and you know this is yeah. this is what we we can do to help do you test your poo we only did for um, for medical research reason we, i we, really want to do that i find i find it so interesting you need to find yourself a twin bog then you get tested for free whatever you want uh, no, do you know what as well like the thing with testing is it's difficult because people assume that you know there's a lot of tests and you get your skin tested it's like okay it's dry um, take this. But with your gut health, yeah. like you can test if you go, you know, clinically to get your gut tested, they'll be able to test for lots of things like parasites. And, you know, they'll be able to do a lot of in-depth tests. But commercially, you are the kind of microbiome testing is basically testing the diversity. So how many different types of bacteria are within your gut? Uh, and there's two kind of points to caveat that with is one is that's one poo. So for example, the first yeah. study we did, we had to have we had to send every poo we did off in the post for two months. And have thrown off. Yeah. Two <laughs> months of poo in the post. By the way. I know. <laughs> um, and then the secondly, like sometimes the reports and stuff, you know, we don't really know what each bacteria does and why fully yet. So the reading, sometimes people are a bit disappointed because they're like, oh great, I've got a lot of this, but I don't know exactly what that means. So we always say sometimes it's better to just go by how you feel and like log things until the science catches up. One day, I'm sure, we'll have tests that can test our guts and you'll get a personalised probiotic that comes on a drone to your house yeah. and drops <laughs> off exactly what that poo means for that day. Look, scientists are starting to make toilets that can analyse your poo. Like, I'm sure one day we'll all get... Because yeah. you're probably like us, like, we're obsessed with stuff like that, like, being tested, trying new things. But I think with gut health, we just kind of have to go with what we feel at the minute. I think, yeah, because, I like, your average person is not going to want to, like, go and get their poo tested. You know what I mean? It's kind of, I, I, I wouldn't be able to do it for two months. No way. But like, uh, now you don't have to answer this because I don't know if it's like you won't be able to. But like some people, I have some friends that like poo once a week. Like there's a lot of people like that. Would that be something to do with someone's gut or is, are some people just very different like that? Yeah. So transit time, is it's funny, actually, we were talking about this in the office. So the kind of transit normal, time, transit I love time, that. Chair, that's the official <laughs> um, clinical, uh, you know, so anywhere... I'm doing normal and kind of abbreviated commas here, but the anywhere from three times a day to once every three days is considered normal. Um, So, yeah, I I think your normal is always different. Alana, for example, does one, like, good poo in the morning and that's her done. My gut does not behave well like that. Um, And I think that actually measuring your transit time is a really good thing. So you can do it through eating sweet corn, anything blue, beetroot, beetroot. And see how long it takes to get out the other end. So 30 to 40 hours is average. The average. For food to go through. Yeah. Wow, that's a long time, isn't it? That's because then we're saying like it's such a long piece of piece of kit. Yeah, I just feel like it's so, uh, probably I'm quite like on time. Like I would be like twice a day, but I feel mm-hmm. like, okay, I've had my breakfast and I like in an hour it, it would be gone through. But that's <laughs> from food like probably yesterday morning or the morning before. It's yesterday. Yeah, and do you know what? Constipation and 
how often you poo is the question that we get asked the most. And at, when, yeah. we were, when we were doing the transition between DJing and the gut stuff, we have to get people. We used to get people in the toilet or come be like, "I'm not paid for these days. Is that normal?" <laughs> and I think, it's, <laughs> but your body, you know, if you're constipated or you're pooing, your body's screaming to you that something's not quite right. Yeah. And you know, we all just kind of don't, and it's so it's uncomfortable either way. You know, diarrhea and constipation, and I think it causes people a lot of anxiety. And then, then like I'm sure we'll get onto this, but that's kind of perpetuates the cycle of being able to go to the toilet or not. And there was a big like girls don't poo move. I remember going to the toilet at school and being petrified to poo. Or if you were away too long, the boys would be like, "What were you doing to poo?" And you're like, <laughs> you know, like it was a really bad thing. And I think we all developed this shame almost mm-hmm. for, yeah. for pooing that just you know cannot have been good for our guts long term. No. And now well, I'm I like, I'm say, going now, to poo. yeah, now I'm delighted. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yes, <laughs> another one. Um, <laughs> would you have any fail-safe nutrition tips for people like that would be good for their gut? Like what can people, like I'm not going to be going doing a million and one things, but like I'd love to do things that are better for my gut. Yeah, I think the also processed foods thing. Uh, so we're not talking about, you know, all food, particularly here in the UK, is processed in some way. So if it's been cooked, it's processed. But we're talking about ultra processed stuff like biscuits that right. are bright yellow or that have a shelf life of 45 years. Like they're basically filled with emulsifiers and some actually like health bars and, you know, healthy foods and are filled with emulsifiers and preservatives. And you think, and they actually stifle the good bacteria in our gut. So you think if, the, if it's keeping food on a shelf for a couple of years, it's probably not doing a great thing for your insides. You know what I mean? Like if you think of it like that, common sense says mm, maybe not. What about the baby food though? That like you know the pouches. So that why are they on the shelf for so long? I thought that that was just they put loads of lemon in it or something. But is that something else? Well, Alana, you're yeah, like I mean, paranoid of that with added, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think like I always look on the back of any pack for me or Addy and go if I can't say what's on the back of that, I'm not yeah. putting it in. To be fair, there's obviously occasions we aren't angels. Mm-hmm. Have we done gigs in the past year and gotten it three in the morning and got McDonald's? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's about tipping that balance of doing it less often than you would. So really thinking about that ultra processed foods far less than you would have done before, I think is a really good one. And I think the, the mindset shift is really difficult because I think, especially for us, you know, when we were younger, we got, we just thought diet is something we did two weeks before we went on holiday and it was very much what was on the outside rather than what was on the inside. So yes. thinking about health and diet was quite extreme. We'd be like, right, we're going on the cane pepper diet and then we're going to do the ducking diet and then we're going to do this. And <laughs> remember the ducking <laughs> diet? You had to only yeah. eat chicken for like three weeks. <laughs> Sorry, do you remember the special K diet? And yeah, you ate special K for every yeah. meal. Of course you were going to lose weight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cabbage soup was the worst one. Yeah, cabbage soup. I remember doing that before we went to Magaluf and putting tomato ketchup in my cabbage soup as if that was going to make it taste better. Oh, God. I think that was what I would do to our guts. Anyway, I think and with the beauty of gut health is that it's not about restriction. It's about adding stuff in. So what more different things can we get in? So we talk about variety. So there was a big study done that we were a part of called the American Gut Project that analysed 10,000 stools. And what came out of that was this magic number of 30 plants per week. So that's, you know, fruit, veg, nuts, seeds, legumes, whole grains. So, and different colours count as well, which is good. So like red pepper, yellow pepper, green pepper, orange, that's four points. We've got all the hacks. Oh, that's good. Mix. Like that's doable. 30 yeah, mix a week is doable. Mix salads as well. Mix yeah. nuts and seeds, salads. Like even if you get like a, so like a whole grain bread with different seeds on it. 
that also counts. So thinking about different types, I think we're all creatures of habit, aren't we? We go in and we go, right, we're going to the supermarket, I'm going to have that. Or we do online shop and we do copy and paste and we do get the same thing every week or fortnight. And it's about really trying new things and, you know, talking about, you know, as we move into this awful cost of living crisis, look, go into the, the reduced section of the fruit and veg, see what's in there. There'll be something in there you've probably never tried before. And, you know, grabbing that sort of thing, batch cooking, frozen foods, all that are, are really good for getting that different variety of plants. So you think frozen veg is okay as well then? It's been like demonised over like <laughs> over yeah. the years and people just using like frozen peas if they've gone over on their ankles to the food, yeah. eating them. <laughs> but actually you don't, yes, you lose some of the nutrients, but are we actually our head of nutrition's got such good tips to that, like putting spinach in like ice cube things and just add an oh, extra yeah. spinach into like bolognese and soups and things like that so it's just yeah things like that that you wouldn't think of yeah herbs and spices yeah. count as well and they can go and they put herbs and spices into the freezer and come here to me what do you think about then all this fermented stuff love yeah fermented foods have been around for eons and i'm like we always have a joke like fermented foods were not created in east london just my yeah. pop <laughs> like, um, and preservation purposes. Yeah, they were used to kind of um, preserve foods for consumption before because people, you know, there wasn't any fidges. But the, the bacteria and yeast in, in fermented foods actually give it more flavour. And some people yeah. love that. But, you know, we gave our mum kimchi and she was like, Bleh. Yeah, I'm not a fan, I have to say. It's not great. It's a lot. You do need to get used to the taste. But also sourdough is fermented. Yeah. Live yogurt has like active cultures and bacteria in it and uh, what other ones olives i didn't know up until recently olives are fermented oh, I didn't know that. Um, so there is a kind of like sliding scale that goes from like sourdough up to kimchi is probably your punchiest yeah you see i like the way you girls put it you just like it, you're not making it too difficult for people when you actually think about it like just adding those extra bits into your diet and like even with the 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 30 things a week like i make my baby's food at the moment and like he's always got loads of different vegetables i'm like when was the last time i ate a cauliflower like you just have to think like what you would do for them you should be putting into your body then absolutely like i have the same idea like Addie gets gourmet meals oh i can't <laughs> yeah. And she gets so many like picky bits, as we call it. And actually, like I always think when I look at her wee plate, I'm like, right, what could that, what other fruit or veg could I add to that? And, yeah. the, and, I, and we should be doing that with ourselves. We call her the fruit fly because she's, I had her, I had her <laughs> last weekend. And then um, she's a wee fruit fly. She just sits like blueberries, raspberries, everything. She, so much fruit. She I, know, I think I've went to the other way with her though. I tried to give her a Santa gingerbread man the other day. She nibbled it and then hoovered a hulumi salad. <laughs> You're so lucky. Oh my God, my kids just ripped open a, a thing of Milky Bar discs. I'm like, no! It's nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, it's trying to get a balance. <laughs> yeah. But with, uh, so I've always known about fibre. I used to sit in like, and they're probably the worst thing in the world for you, like bran flakes kind of cereal. They taste like absolute, they just taste cardboard. like cardboard. Like fibre is essential to our diet, right? To get things moving. Yeah, it's basically like, the unsung hero of nutrition. And yeah, when we start, first started going through the research, we were like, what do you mean prune juice? Because it's basically like, we always think it was the basis in the band that's there, but no one quite knows the name of the person. <laughs> but essential, <laughs> but essential to the band. You need the base. <laughs> um, Fibre is basically a type of carbohydrate that our body can't break down. So it gets to your large intestine and um, where your gut bacteria love it. So we've always sort of known that fibre bulks our stool. Our granddad used to always say, it makes me go. So we yeah. know that it bulks our stool to help it get out the other end, essentially. But now we know that fibre also, well, it's got loads of benefits and makes, you know, it helps you feel full, but it also feeds 
the bacteria in our gut. Yeah. And I think the main concern with fiber is nine out of ten of us aren't getting enough of it. So the great thing about it is that people already kind of know what it is. But the bad thing is, is that we're not getting enough. And 30 grams a day is quite high when you think a portion of broccoli is two and a half grams. That's a lot of broccoli you've oh got to eat God. to get. So you with an apple. Say that was only about two and a half, if you're lucky. So, so the larger. So how many grams do you need a day? 30. Wow. It used to be 50 and they brought it down because it was too unattainable. But really simple swaps for this one as well, because we always have to have the hacks. <laughs> um, yeah. Is keep your skins on, all fruit and veg. Yeah. Even a butternut squash, I could confirm. It's actually really, really? nice. Um, and a roast potato yeah, actually fight with the skin on yeah it feels I love a skin uh, like the skin on a roast potato is delicious the best yeah. bit it's the best bit 100% if you keep yeah. skin on everything swap white brown you know white um, pasta rice bread for brown for example like just swapping white pasta to brown doubles your fibre so I think oh, I a portion okay, of white pasta is yeah about 3.3 and brown passes about 7.6 grams, obviously varying in, in different things. In memory there. Thank you. Yeah, very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but also, like, if, if you have people in your family that don't necessarily like brown, because it is, you have to sort of get to that acquired taste. It's just do 50-50, half and half, yeah. same with rice. Mm-hmm. Seeds on to top of soups and things, and toppings. Seeds great. are yeah, good yeah, seeds on yeah, soups. Yeah. Yeah. And no. you get those little, little packs in supermarkets that actually just have the salad toppers and it's like all yeah. these seeds and stuff together. Yeah, so easy. And yeah, like I think you're just a great hack is spaghetti bolognese instead of taking out half the mince and putting in lentils. But yeah. really increases your fibre. So like those, I think this is as well, like we're not asking people to completely change who they are or the way they live. It's about those simple daily gut habits that are going to be key to making a, a huge difference. Like Lisa and I were in the bottom 10% of the population for our gut health. For part of this, for one study, for, the, for one pool of data. Yeah. And now we, for the same pool that we've been retested again, we're in the top 10% and we haven't completely rehauled our lives. Yeah. What do you think about dairy then? Because everyone's always like, dairy's so bad. I love dairy. I can't get enough of it. Yeah, same. Do you know what? We get, like, again, dairy and gluten is probably the other things that we get asked about loads. Yeah, gluten. Um, I, people are mad for gluten. Yeah, so, well, and the same. And actually, dairy isn't the devil. And you can get tested for lactose. Obviously, if you're lactose intolerant, you have to avoid dairy. But you can get tested at your GP to see if you're lactose intolerant or not. So we always say, like, if you think you are, that's the first step. Um, yeah. And actually, some of the milks that people have been swapping for cow's milk, like some of the oat milks are so full of emulsifiers and preservatives that, you know, they're not great for your gut health, as we've discussed before either. So it's like some of the alternatives that people are swapping out for dairy aren't great either. But if you, if you are lactose intolerant, I think kefir actually is lactose-free because the bacteria... That is delicious, kefir. Yeah. Those yogurts. Yeah. yeah. So they're oh, they're yeah. the fermented food that is, I think, everyone... Everyone likes that's delish. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good to know about dairy. And what about gluten then? Because people obviously ask you about gluten all the time. Gluten is, again, not the devil unless you're celiac. And you can get a test for if you're celiac at the, at the GP. I feel like gluten was a way that people were just like trying to lose weight at one point. Do you remember when it first came out? Yeah. 100% it was in that carb frenzy. Yeah, low-carb yeah. frenzy. And that's where fibre got lost, I think, as well. Like Fibre got lost in that low-carb hype. So people weren't eating whole grains and things like that either because... They were cutting out all carbs and just that because fiber keeps you fuller for longer. Yeah, that's why people are always shocked though. Like if like if I eat bread and stuff in front of them, I'm like like people have it so ingrained in their mind that bread is bad, and it's not bad. Like bread's not going to make you pile on waste. No, not at all. 
And um, yeah, actually, sourdough, if you find that you struggle to digest, but sourdough actually does a bit of the, the fermenting process, does a bit of the digestion process for you. Yeah. So yeah, switching to sourdough is great because it's fermented and it's already. And the sort of more freshly baked goods in the supermarket are better than the long, longer shelf life ones. Yeah. And what about, okay, so oh, what about alcohol? Like, now, honestly, well, alcohol is the most searched term on our website. website. Really? Yeah. yeah. How bad is it? It's bad, isn't it? No, well, you know, this is actually in our book. <laughs> You're talking to two Scottish girls. I know. Um, in the book. The it's al- bad, but it's good. Yeah. <laughs> the alcohol chapter could have been about 74 pages long. So we basically <laughs> got a liver specialist from UCL to, to write that chapter of the book for us. And yeah, excess alcohol can aggravate your gut. Um, basically, so how well you digest foods to things moving along a bit quicker than they should, um, as you'll note, a lot of people will know if they have alcohol. a hangover poo. It can all too much alcohol can also inhibit. So you know we produce enzymes to help us digest food. Alcohol can inhibit that, so your food might not be digested and absorbed as it should be, and it also can affect gut permeability. So, which basically means like the permeability of our gut increases with excess alcohol. Um, so it's just, it's moderation, you know, it's the same as anything else. Red wine, there's a lot, always a lot in the press about red wine and how it's good yeah. for us. Red wine is full of polyphenols, which our gut bacteria love. Um, so when we heard that, we were like, yes, let's get on the red wine. <laughs> and, and coffee, also in, but yeah, and that's the thing, like you can also get, it's not the elixir of health because you can also get polyphenols through coffee, dark chocolate, other fun things. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I think it is mod- moderation and yeah, Knowing that potentially the excess alcohol the next day, I certainly feel it in my gut. You feel terrible, like yeah. It's good though. It's just like it's about trying to just make better choices, I suppose. And you've you've given us loads of different options. I'm really going to try that vegetable thing. People who though are like like I eat a lot of meat. My friend slags me. She calls me cannibal. Um, <laughs> I, eat, <laughs> I eat meat every day. <laughs> I've been trying to have meat-free days, but then I just like found myself eating a ham sandwich. I'm like, I just totally forgot. <laughs> so with vegans and with meat eaters, is, is like you'd know by your gut if something isn't really sitting with you. Is there too much meat you can eat? Is it bad not to eat any meat? Yeah, so red meat and like really heavily processed meat, you know, trying to reduce that. And I guess vegetarians... Because everyone else is direct to be veggie for my gut health. I guess the plus with vegetarians is that they are probably having more plants because of, you know, not having as much meat. So we always say if you do eat a lot of meat and you love red meat, try and swap things in like, you know, lentils in your bolognese. So you're taking some of the meat out to add some more plants because then you're getting the variety yeah. in there. You're getting the fibre in there. But yeah, I guess like how you eat, you just adapt to your own diet to add more things in that are good for your gut health. Because um, I yeah. think people assume that they have to be completely vegan and not drink and have no fun when it comes to gut health, but just adapting your choices. Because a lot of the choices that people make for that are because of ethical reasons and not necessarily for diet or their health. Um, but yeah, no, again, meat not the devil, carry on with your hands, Sarney. Yeah. But would, <laughs> honestly, would like... <laughs> yeah, I do have brown bread. But would like uh, would one meat free day a week, would that, like, would that be good for your gut or good for your health? Yeah, I mean, meat free Mondays... We're good because everyone sort of got. Does that, is that still a thing? Meat free Mondays. Do people still do is, that. Is fish included in meat? <laughs> <laughs> fish great for omega threes. Good yeah. for gut health. Um, but yeah, I guess because for that day you're probably eating more fibre than you were before. Yeah. So yeah, I think that you know we do try. I certainly try now to have more. Like we get like online order 
boxes. And my husband always just goes for like all of the steaks that he wants like three or four steak meals every week. So we Ew. try and I actually had a paneer burger, you know, that amazing like Indian cheese. I had a paneer oh, burger. Yes. And I it. it was so nice. Actually, I've had a paneer curry. I thought it was tofu. I know that's terrible. Yeah. But I was like, who the hell knew tofu was so yeah. nice? But it was that stuff. <laughs> it was so good. I'd had about four of them and then my veggie friend was over and she's like, that's not tofu. I was like, oh. Uh, 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 that's why it's so delicious. Yeah. But uh, for people that have already got problems with their gut, like, is it reversible or are they just kind of going to have to just try and live with it? Do you know what? I think if you have got a, you know, problem with your gut, there, of course, there's loads of help out there. You go to your GP, you can be referred to a gastroenterologist or a dietitian. Um, but also, as we said, like our microbiome can change when we have studies within a couple of weeks. So yeah. I think the important thing is if you do have a digestive issue or a gut issue, is to start tuning in and starting to see patterns yourself because, you know, your triggers could, might not even be diet related. A lot of people, sometimes their gut issues are triggered by stress. So you wouldn't necessarily know that. And I think people get in that perpetual cycle of anxiety and then, you know, they're more anxious, so their gut health's worse. And, you know, absolutely yeah. there there is hope out there. And yeah, if you seek professional help, tune in and try and, you know, be kinder to your body. So many people, and even when we were filming the show, um, it really upset us how people have, I think especially women, have a very bad relationship with that area of our bodies in general. We experience pain there from a young age since puberty. You know, a lot of women focus on their stomachs from a certain point of view, they hate them. And people just have a really bad, negative relationship with their guts. And I think that once you change that, you start to see a bit of hope to it getting better. And that yeah. you don't have to live with these issues. You know, so many people live with these issues for such a long-term basis and be so debilitating. And I think the message here is that you don't have to live with it and you can and you can get help. You can do small things. So what would be your top tips for doing nice things for your gut? Yeah, do you know what mine is? Sleep. Yeah, and I I people sleep. always are so surprised by, because they're like, what's the one single most thing you've changed or your gut health? And people always say, well, I drink 40 liters of kombucha in a day. Or, <laughs> you know, or I've cut out X, Y, and Z. I have no fun anymore. My gut is great. Um, but yeah, sleep. So I have a non-negotiable 9 p.m. bedtime. Um, yeah. Uh, I go to my bed at nine every night. I'm up early because I've got a massive Labrador that needs walked. Um, so that's m the main reason as well. But I found that, you know, my mental health has completely changed. My gut health has changed. Um, I have like a sleep routine where I put my phone on the do not disturb. And the lifestyle thing that I have changed for my gut health is, is sleep, basically. And yeah, it's, I, I mean, also, we used to be on stage at 4 a.m. So naturally, <laughs> my sleep pattern <laughs> has changed. Um, but yeah, that's mine. Yeah, I guess for me, like, it's like I used to think of and it is a lifestyle one as well. We have changed our diet to the things we spoke about before, but I used to think of exercise as something that I had to hammer, like 90 minutes in a hot yoga class or, you know, yeah. hit class for an hour. And I had this quite binary relationship with exercise where I just got to be all or nothing. And now I just think of it more as movement. So like, how can I walk around the block for 10 minutes while I'm doing a call rather than sitting on a Zoom? Or I'm just thinking about moving my body more and being kinder to myself instead of thinking of health or being healthy is this really extreme restriction and hammering your body. It's about, yeah, being a lot kinder to ourselves and our, our gut and brain are so intrinsically linked that really thinking about managing stress is, is super important as well. 
I find though, even because people are always ask how I just do exercise all the time. But as you said, like some people don't have time. Like I don't have four kids and absolutely no help at home. So like I have time to spend half an hour training. But like if you don't have that time, even getting out for a little walk with your kids, like a 10 minute walk, anything to get your body moving, I think is so good for, well, I think for your mind, but it's nice to hear it's good for your gut too. Yeah, your microbes better actually exercising is the other single, so it's the other determining factor aside from diet, that can affect your microbes. So there's loads of studies that were done. One in particular studied people that when they exercised, the diversity of their microbes went up. They didn't change anything in their diet. And when they stopped exercising, they went back down to base again. So not only does exercise do everything that we love and know about in terms of endorphins and all that sort of thing, but also our microbes like us to move as well. And we kind of think of exercise snacking as quite good. So getting up for 10 minutes, as you said, doing, you know, yeah. dancing to a couple of songs and getting back down or doing a Zoom call on the move um, like walking yeah, on, on a call yeah it. I just think yeah we yeah again the same as diet we've put exercise in such an extreme bucket when actually yeah. it's it doesn't have to be I think as well this new hybrid way of working is brilliant for many ways especially for like working parents but it really has blurred the lines between home life and work life and I think we're all really struggling to switch off because yeah. you know we're not having that border so for me just I just literally, when I finished work, my work, and if I'm working from home, I just do a go a little walk around the block, and I know when I walk back in that door that it's home, that's home yeah. mode, not work mode, and I think that's yeah got a double pronged benefit as well. Well, girls, thanks, Manny. I love that because like you just you give easy ways of of trying to help yourself, and it's uh, we can still do all the fun stuff and help our guts. Absolutely, we still have so a bundle. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> And that's that. Thank you so much, Alana and Lisa. Hugely appreciate you taking your time for a proper 101 on proactive gut health that I'm sure will have reassured lots of our listeners no end. It certainly has for me. You can discover more resources in our show notes and don't forget to visit your GP if you're worried at all about your gut health or if you've noticed any changes in your gut health. You can also visit the Livy GP service on the Boots Health Hub and remember to check out Boots' range of over 2,000 wellness products including the Boots Good Gut range and Good vibrations by the good stuff please rate review and subscribe if you enjoy the pod and we will speak to you soon